purposes of God to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. It's great to see you. And uh, once again, thank you for your extremely warm welcome. This feels like home. It really does. And um, I I feel at home. And I I feel very relaxed. I don't feel under pressure at all. But uh, it's just uh, such a pleasure to, to be here. And uh, when we, we gathered together on Friday night, I, I talked about cracking open the bottle and talked about the fragrance and the fragrance filling the house, not just the house, but the fragrance filling the community. Yesterday afternoon, I kind of talked on the lines of Joshua and just took some of those key principles from the first nine verses in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, the emphasis really on that was to advance forward. Can you remember that, those of you who are here? And then last night, I talked briefly about what happens next. Can you remember that? What what I'm doing is I'm trying to, those who weren't here, I'm just trying to bring you up to speed. That's all it is. And bring you up to speed, but also to familiarize yourself with my accent. Because I speak the language of heaven. This is the accent of heaven, it really is. The West Country accent. Who are, who are, who are, who are. And um, this, this morning, what I would like to, to do is I want to, to speak a, a word into the life of the church that I, I believe is a, an invitation but also a challenge. It's one word, but then there's lots of things that we'll talk about to unfold that one word, okay? The word is simply come, C-O-M-E, come. But we'll, we'll kind of springboard into that in a few moments if time permits is that okay because I I just feel I want to do something else before I kind of springboard into that as I was uh, sat on the the second seat on the front row there God just started to to talk to me and started to kind of drop little thoughts into my into my heart into my thinking and as I glanced across the aisle and glanced onto the other section of chairs there. Firstly, I looked at that wonderful rucksack there with Thomas the Tank Engine on it. And if nobody claims that, I might take that home with me because it's so nice. But on the floor were individual Lego pieces. I, I looked at the contrasting colours. I, I looked at the different shapes and I, I just looked at them and then really kind of felt God kind of say to me, just to begin to give some of these Lego pieces out. So Michelle, I'm I'm going to give you a Lego piece first. You you can choose whatever color you want. Wow. How how do you know she'd go for red? Red is for passion. Red is for heart. Red is just for enthusiasm. So I I knew she'd go for that one. I knew she'd uh, go for that one as well. Um, Michelle, I, I dreamt about you last night. No, it wasn't a nightmare. <laughs> but I, I dreamt about you, and I also dreamt about your husband, which was a nightmare. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And I, I, I dreamt about you guys. It was really interesting because I, I saw a, a series of pictures as I dreamt about you guys. And the first picture was you both walking hand in hand through this kind of forest, this greenery, this wonderful kind of place, yet what you had on your feet were Wellington boots. Really interesting. You had pretty pink Wellington boots. You had, you had the traditional kind of farmer green Wellington boots. 
but you, you were walking through this, this wooden glade and, and what happened was you, you stepped into a bog. That was what the boots were about. And you stepped into this bog and this bog became such a kind of a chore. The, the, the footing, the stepping became, oh, such burdensome. And I, I kind of just felt that God said that that symbolizes part of the journey you've been on. It's been a real effort. A massive effort. And uh, you, you, in the mix of all of this, you never let go of each other's hands. So you didn't do it on your own, and you didn't do it on your own, but you did it together. But you were walking through this, this stuff. It was heavy stuff. And, and it was squelching, and there was mud kind of going all over the place. And, and there were one or two occasions when you, you, your foot went in so deep, and you, you kind of went beyond your ankles. And as you tried to, to lift your foot out, you, you couldn't because the suction of the bog was so immense that it was almost as if the, the shoes stayed there, or the Wellington boots stayed there, but your foot kind of came out of it. And you had to kind of do a little bit of a swivel, and you had to pick it out, and then you, you moved on. But that season's over. Because what happened was that the next picture I saw was that you, you then began to, to wear what I call more comfortable shoes. You had kind of uh, these kind of fluffy kind of ankle boots which had a hole in the end of the toe. And uh, it, it, was just, it was just so comfortable. It really was comfortable. And, but, but it, it was as if you kind of come out of that stuff and, and now you were kind of saying, thank you, Jesus. You've, you, you've heard my prayers and you've heard our prayers. Thank you so much. So there's been a season where you've been a little bit more comfortable. It's still been tough, but it's been more comfortable. But then I felt God begin to show me a picture for you guys for the future. So in a sense, that was the past. It's the sense of the presence, the, the wonderful, comfortable shoes. But God is going to ask you and challenge you to take off that comfortable pair of shoes and to begin to wear some mountaineering boots. Wow. And as I began to see you putting on the mountaineering boots, because God wants you to become mountaineers. He wants you to climb some ranges. He wants you to, to climb certain things. But, but I heard you contest with God. And it wasn't in a negative sense, it was a question of God. Because actually what I saw, and I, I don't know anything about you other than that you, you're a great keyboard player. I, I've had opportunity to sit and listen to keyboard. There's something about the way you play it, which is so releasing. It's unbelievable. If I could take you home with me, and your husband, of course. I, uh, this, this holy kiss thing's just gone a little bit too far, isn't it? But I, I just uh, saw you kind of putting these... these these mountaineering boots on and I heard you contest with God a little bit and I thought you say God but I can't do that I get short of breath I get short of breath and I, I don't know what to do I, I, I want to be obedient and I want to step up and I want to climb and I want to, to put the I want to put the rope around me and the hat on me and I want to put the climbing gear on but, but as, I, as I climb those, those heights that you want me to climb how am I going to do it physically and I don't know anything about you how am I going to do it physically? And God says, as you step out in obedience and faith, he will expand your lungs. Yeah. Expand your lungs. And he will, he will do a work in you and through you, which will absolutely amaze you. Why does God want you to do that? Because he wants you to climb to a new height. 
And as you climbed to the new height, you, you, I saw you climbing, both of you climbing with holding hands. In all of this, you've never let go. Of, and I've watched you wink at each other. <laughs> and I kind of thought, flipping it, this is a little bit kind of erotic. <laughs> but I've loved it. I've loved every minute of it. All right? But you, you've, you, you're, climbed, you're climbing, and you, I saw you both put us a... a, a a, a, a flag, you know, when they conquer the mountain, they put a flag and they say, we've conquered this mountain. And then I saw another picture of you both. As you came down that mountain, you then took off the boat, uh, took off the, um, the mountaineering boots and you, you began to wear some running shoes. And as you ran, it was like the road runner. <laughs> But it was like the roadrunner. But as what, what you were doing as you were running, you were creating a trail of a, a, a trail of, of fire behind you. And everywhere you went, you you left fire marks. And fire symbolizes God, the Holy Spirit. So I, I want you to recognize you've gone from wearing the Wellington boots, you've gone from wearing the soft shoes with a hole in the toe, and you've gone from the. You're about to be going onto the mountaineering where God's going to expand your lungs. And allow you to breathe. Both of you are going to breathe in something of heaven, which is going to astound you. So hold on to that. Don't let it go. Would you like to take a color as well? Blue. Fantastic. Brilliant. I'm not going to say any more about that. Is that okay? Did that make sense? Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, we're okay then. We're on a bit of a roll. Steve, take one, my friend. Green. Mm, not bad. Not bad. I want you to hold that elastic man. I, I carried that from my home. I wore it last night, and I was going to, to prophesy over you last night, but, or yesterday afternoon, but didn't feel you had your hands filled, you had your, your child in your, your arms. But an elastic band has so much potential. And I want to recognize publicly in front of your leaders and in front of those in your congregation that there is so much potential inside of you. There's more potential inside of you than you realize. There really is. Yet... You have to be stretched. You have to be stretched. Because the elastic band can... You can let go of it now. It's mine. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. But the elastic band is okay on its own. But you see, for that to fulfill its potential, and for that to wrap around my, my glass case or my notebook to keep it all in, because my notebook tends to fall to pieces because I tear pages out. But it has to be stretched to fulfill its potential. And God has taken you on a journey over the course of the last 12 months, and it's been difficult. It has been a challenge. There's been moments where you felt that God was stretching you to the point of breaking, but God will never take you to the point of breaking. He always takes you to the point of making. And in the stretching, it's to fulfill the purpose and the plans that God has on your life, and on your wife's life, and on your family's life. So God wants to stretch you. Okay? If I was at home now, I would fling this across the floor. Just hold that if you can. Thank you. But if I want this to fly, I have to stretch it further. So the distance is related to the distance I pull it back. So don't become concerned about the stretching. Because the further he stretches you, the further you'll fly. And the more potential is released. Hold on to that. Don't lose that. 
It's very expensive. <laughs> very expensive. I just wrote some other things down, down, down here. Shoes, expanding, mountaineering. Uh, Sue, I'd like you to, to take one if you would, please. <coughs> oh, I love it. If you took two. I knew you would. I want a double portion. I wrote that down. Wrote it down. I said, you ask, give one to Sue, she'll take, she'll take two. Because what, what I've put here is simply this. Dare to ask. Dare to ask. Because God can do it again. And I felt God speak to me through that, that word. God can do it again. Okay? So, so whenever you have an opportunity to stand before God and you can ask and you can kind of say, God, will you do this? You, you, have, to, you have to be greedy. And greedy in the right sense. Not greedy in a selfish sense, but I, I want you to, to keep asking. I, I want you, as my friend Dave Gilpin would say, I want you to become a master asker. And I want you to learn the art of asking God. Because as you ask God, I am convinced that God will express tremendous favor upon you as an individual and you as a couple. I really believe that. And, and I just sense over the course of the, that the, you've been afraid to ask. And you've allowed certain things to, to cramp your asking. So instead of asking for the big, you've asked for the, for the small. And God's been faithful in that. He's answered that. But God just said, if you only asked a little bit more. Keep asking. Stretch the boundaries. I think it's Isaiah chapter 54. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. And I just want to speak that over you. It's time to enlarge the place of your tent. Begin to ask for, for things that are beyond you. And beyond your capacity, because God's not, God's not contained to our capacity, he's defined by his capacity. So he's a good God. Brilliant, you took, you took that. I'm glad you took two, because we're, we're doing okay. And also I felt here, Sue, that, that God was going to work outside of the lines of your understanding. And I, you know, you, I know that you work in the bank, I, I don't fully know to the extent of what you work but whenever I think about the bank it's always lines and analytical kind of thinking and, and spreadsheets and, and this has to add up before you can move into this but, but God is wanting you to understand this that he's going to work outside of the rationale thinking and the analytical thinking and the straight lines of what is order because God's going to step in and he's going to cause all of those lines that were once straight to become squiggly lines. And he's going to expand them. Just a little bit like the elastic band that Steve's now got around his wrist. God's going to do that in your thinking. He's going to expand that thinking because he's already expanding your heart. And at the moment, the heart's expanding, but the brain is still kind of thinking a certain way. So there's a tension in a, between the head and the heart, the way you think and the way you feel. But God's going to do something amazing because you've now become a master asker. All right? Does that make sense? Doing okay? Brilliant. What time do we actually finish? Well, I want to go home later on, so we're going to do this. Okay. Dave, just uh, take whatever one you would like. Red. In fact, I want to give you them all. Another one? I want to take them all. Take them all. Okay. Because what I, what I felt here was simply this, that you are to lead the church, not according to the watch, but according to the compass. 
going to give you a little bit of a story on that to help unfold that. It's, um, I read this little thought, really, in, in a Stephen Covey book. Oh, I'm glad you've read it. I'm not, a, I'm not really a book reader, if I'm honest, because I'm dyslexic. So I, I struggle with the whole reading side of things. But you see, when, when we lead according to the, to the clock or to the watch, it's all about time, isn't it? And it's all about this, and we, we quantify and qualify things by, by certain measurements. But God has set the coordinates of his plan and his purpose in your heart. He really has. And God is calling you not to look at the watch, but to look at the compass. It's better to be late than it is to get lost. Okay? So, so in, the, in the context of this, what I'm trying to say is that be patient and follow the compass markings that God has set for you. God's quite sneaky in a way because he doesn't necessarily show us the whole journey, but he just shows us the next step. And Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and in the wonderful story of that that man stepping out, he went from stage to stage or phase to phase. And God will reveal to you the next step. And when we focus on the next step in a moment, when we talk about what I want to talk about to the church, maybe it will make a little bit more sense. But I now want to show a, a picture. Does that make sense? Now, now, I just want to show a little bit of a picture for all of us. On your, your catchphrase up here, it says, develop the individual, build the community. I love that. That might find its way home, and it might become something one of our little catchphrases. I love that. But this morning, I've given Michelle, or she took a red one. Russ, you took a blue one. This lovely lady took two blue ones. You, you've got more because actually, well, the reason I, I gave you, you more because you, you are the senior leader, the visionary of this place, but you also represent other aspects of the church. But I, I felt that one was the church and one was community. I, I believe that you're going to have a voice into, into certain places that will even astound you and amaze you. So that's why I gave you more than that. And, and you've got a green one and you've got an elastic band bearing on your wrist. Very strange man. <laughs> but as you build the individual, you then build the community when you connect together. Lego pieces are no good on their own. They have to be connected together. So will you connect yours to Michelle? And Michelle, will you now get up and you'll connect yours to, to Sue's? And while you're up, you might as well do the rest. Can, could you, you're now, you're now on your feet. You can now connect it, all the different shapes. See the different shapes and sizes and the colors. Individually, it may not make a lot of sense. But collectively together, we build a community. So I, I want to... I better put them back where I found them. Otherwise, I'll be told off for stealing. And I don't want to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah? yeah? yeah. Brilliant. Are you, are you now okay for the next maybe 20 minutes where I can begin to, to look into some scripture? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I'd like you to open your Bibles, please, to, um, to Matthew chapter 4. Bearing in mind that I've 
talk to you this morning that I want to introduce the word come into this wonderful setting. Matthew chapter 4. If you've got the same Bible as me, it's page 1522. I love to do that in my home church because I say turn to page 1522 and those with real Bibles kind of do it but those with electronic ones get really stuck and I love I love to baffle technology I really do but uh, this is the the calling of the disciples from verse 18 of Matthew 4 as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen verse 19 come follow me Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people that's the first invitation to come I'd now like you to turn the pages of your Bible by 10 chapters and I'd like you to look at Matthew chapter 14 and we're going to start to look really from verse 22 when you've got that give me a wave brilliant Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went to the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them, walking on the lake. When his disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, do not be afraid, it is I. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you, tell me to come to you to walk on the water. And Jesus said in verse 29, well, it wasn't 29 when he said it, because it wasn't doesn't matter he said come and Peter gets down out of the boat and walks on the water and comes towards Jesus but when he saw the wind he was afraid and he began to sink he cried out Lord save me immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him you are little faith why do you you doubt I'd like to introduce that word come to you this morning because I, I believe that God is inviting you as a church into both of those invitations firstly it was come and I will come follow me and I will send you out to catch men and women the second one was to come and to walk on the on the water I believe that there's an invitation over this house to advance forward to a specific place to a specific position for a specific outcome the first invitation was to follow Jesus as a disciple. The second invitation was to follow Jesus on mission. Discipleship and mission. As I began to pray into that whole thought about walking on water and beginning to branch out in this wonderful adventure that God wants to take us on, I felt God say this to me. There are those who will live their life according to the risk assessment but then there are others that will live their lives according to the risk adventure. And it's very easy for us to kind of fall into that kind of category because walking on water and beginning to follow Jesus as a disciple 
is a risky business. It really is. The word risk, according to the English dictionary, and my home church, they, they often laugh at me because they say, Ian, you quote the dictionary more than sometimes you quote the Bible. But I simply use the dictionary to discover what the word means because when you haven't got the education like some people have, especially those on the front row, you, you have to teach yourself some of the, the things that maybe you didn't know when you were younger. But the word risk simply means this. There's a possibility of failure. There's a possibility of loss. It's a dangerous place to be. And oftentimes it can leave you in a place of uncertainty. This morning as I speak into the life of this church, God wants you to take some steps of risk. He wants you to take some steps of faith. He wants you to step out of the safety and the security of a boat and do what he's asking you to do. Some of you may have read a, a book by a guy called Erwin McManus. It's a very small book with big print. I love those kind of books. It's called The Barbarian Way. I, I began to, to read this book a number of years ago when it first came out. I got into the second or the third page and had to close the, the page of this book or the page of this book because I found it offensive and I actually found it too challenging to proceed and to read. But as I began to pick it up again months later, it might have even been a year later, Erwin McManus leads a church called Mosaic Church in Los Angeles. He, he said this in the writings of this book, God is more interested in your significance than he is your safety. Wow, it's powerful stuff. God's more interested in your significance than he is your safety. I want to live a life of significance for God. Yet many times the choices I make is all about my safety and about my comfort. I've discovered this over the course of the last 45 years. Being a Christian, giving my life to Jesus at the age of five in a small Sunday school classroom in St. Thomas's Street in Penryn in Cornwall. I'm, I joked about my, my hometown on Friday night. So I shouldn't joke about it, but it is a small place. But as I gave my life to Jesus at the age of five, and then for the next 45 years, because I'm 50, for the next 45 years, I've discovered this, that, and I've come to understand this even more, that being a Christ follower wasn't designed for safety and with safety in mind. It was always designed with a sense of faith, risk, adventure, expanding the boundaries, exploring the things that God has for us. Yet, so many times, as a leader, I... I make decisions from a risk assessment policy. How will this affect me? How will this affect my family? But we're not told to walk according to the risk assessment policy. We're commanded in scripture to walk by faith. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by, by faith. Just a, a few weeks ago, on the 9th of September, uh, it was a historic day in, in this nation. It was when... Our, our Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, became the longest reigning monarch the UK has ever known. C can you remember that day? I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a royalist. In fact, I'm not a little bit of a royalist. I'm a big royalist. I, I love the royal family. I pray, for my, I pray for our royal family every day. One of the very first things I, I do. But as I began to 
to watch some of the celebrations of this day. I was up relatively early on that morning and began to just browse the news. For 63 years, she's reigned our nation. 23,226 days. This 89-year-old God-fearing lady has been an example to all of us. When she was asked about some of the things that she has accomplished over that period of time, one of the commentators said this, and I thought it was really interesting. The Queen has been the constant amidst the gale force changes. She has been the permanent anchor in times of adversity, and she has seen the detractors and the def- and she has def- she has seen the detractors go, and she has defied the critics. I started to ponder on that a little bit because I realised this that. When we step out in faith, we, we step out on the stormy waters. It's easy to walk in this faith journey when things are going okay. But it's more difficult to walk sometimes when things aren't going so okay. So, so being a Christ follower is walking by faith and not by sight as we walk through the gale force winds of change and adversity that often hit us as individuals and as a collective group called church. I, I apologize if I'm reading it too much, but I want to get all the detail across. I, I wouldn't normally do this. Normally I kind of wing it a little bit more. But I talked last night about the, the way that we can often choose to, to live our life. We can choose to live our life, the first pathway, by being as Christianly as possible and not really making any change. That's living life in the boat. We can choose to choose a second pathway where we embark on mission, but with very little divine connection. In fact, what we do is we aren't sent, but we went. And there's a big difference about being sent and those that simply went. Every time we do something, we have to be sent. That the word sense is an interesting word because it's a military word. When you begin to, to look at that word in the context of scripture, it goes back to the times when the, the armies, they didn't have the guns, and they didn't have the weaponry such as that, but they had the, the bow and the arrow. And the, the arrow was placed into the strings of the bow, into the framework of the bow, and then the, the bow, the arrow was pulled back and then released to hit an intended target. target. The arrow was sent with intentionality and with purpose to hit a target. If you're endeavoring to do something for God, you cannot just went. You have to be sent. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Sent him with intentionality, with purpose, with a plan, with a scheme to save mankind, to bring reconciliation with the creation and the creator. When I was uh, kind of growing up, I'm still growing up, so I'm told. My my wife often tells me off, like most wives do, kind of says, why why did all the wives then look at their husbands? But you nudged him. (laughs) Only joking, only joking. But when we were growing up, we used to look at the, what was called the peanuts, kind of little cartoon things with Snoopy and Lucy and 
and Charlie Brown. Can anybody remember? Raise your hand if you... I see that hand. I see that hand. This is the evangelist now coming out of them. But what I, what I recall from that, I recall it very well, was that there was these four boxes of the picture where, where Charlie Brown's girlfriend, the love of his life, was firing this bow and this arrow and she had the arrow there and she flew this arrow across the, the wall and, and it hit the fence and, and then the, the next picture you, you see that it's hit the center of the bullseye absolutely amazing and Charlie Brown says to her he says you, you've become a bit of a marksman at this you're so skilled this is my interpretation of the picture and she turns to him and she says Charlie every time I fire an arrow I always hit the bullseye and he said, I don't think you can do it again. And she says to him, I can do it again. So he says, prove me wrong. So she does it again, and it hits the fence, but it just hits the fence. And then the next box, you see the love of his life picking up a tin of red paint <laughs> and walking to the wall and painting the bullseye around the arrow. We laugh at that, but I think sometimes we do that in church. That we, we do this thing called mission and we say this is what God wants us to do. But actually it's not his plan, it's not his intention. It's not the thing he wants us to do. But what we do is we fire the arrow, then we pick up the tin of red paint. And we paint the target around it and then we pat ourselves on the back and we say, haven't we done well? We've hit the target. We shouldn't do that. We should listen to the voice of God and then we should fire the arrows in the direction at the targets that he wants us to fire the arrows at. Am I making sense? The other pathway that we can take is we can recognize the invitation of God to join him and walk on water. I believe that that's what God wants us to do in this place. I want to put it into, into context for us this morning and I'm trusting I've got a piece. Yes, I have. God started to talk to me a few months ago concerning my future and the ministry that I'm involved in and the church that I'm involved in and also about the church in Torquay. And I was recalling a song that was written by Hillsong in 2013. It's on the Hillsong United album. It's called Ocean. I love the song absolutely love it the words of the song read like this you call me out upon the waters the great unknown where feet may fail and there I find you in the mystery in oceans deep my faith will stand and then when we begin to, to look down you, you see that part of my writing or my typing here not my typing but my administrator's typing she's put it in red it says this Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. Wherever you would call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I prophesy over this house this morning that God wants to lead you where your trust and your faith is not restricted or contained by borders he wants you to walk upon the waters he won't let you down yet when we begin to look at Matthew chapter 14 and the story of the disciples in the boat we see how they are 
in the boats and they've been endeavoring to get across the the lake or the sea for a period of time and one translation says this they were buffeted by the waves they were buffeted by the wind that word buffeted <laughs> yeah. you've got to be so careful what you type into Google these days haven't you because I, I, I googled in what does the word buffeted mean but my auto kind of spell check put in buffet so the disciples were making their way across the sea and they were having a buffet and that doesn't sound too bad but then I corrected the the spelling and looked in but the word to be buffeted means to be pounded and to be hit maybe there are those in this room this morning even this afternoon who feel like you have been pounded you've been hit you've been buffeted you don't know which way to turn everything you're doing just seems to be such hard work the word of the Lord to you today is simply this lift your eyes and look for Jesus as he walks towards you on the thing called the sea and the storm so Jesus walks towards them and initially they don't recognize him they, they were fearful of what they saw one translation says that they thought it was a ghost yet they had served with him they'd walked with him they'd eaten with him they'd slept under the stars with him in around campfires they'd been in homes they'd been all sorts of places yet when he came to them in a new way they didn't recognize him until he spoke to them I'd like to make a declaration over this house that God is going to visit you in a new way that God is going to walk towards you in a new way that you won't necessarily recognize because it's not the way he's walked to you in the previous past. It's not the way that he has done things in the past. You've experienced him, you have know what it is to walk with him and to talk with him, but the way he wants to visit this house is in a completely new way. You see, God wants to come to you not in the familiar but he wants to come to you in the unfamiliar he doesn't want to come to you in the predictable and it's very easy to predict what's going to happen on a Sunday morning how do I know that? because I've been pastoring church for the last 20 years in one town and 10 years for another so I could actually sit sometimes on the front row and I can predict what's going to happen because I know that so and so is going to get up and pray at a certain time and guess what? in our history, our past I even knew who was going to bring a message in tongues at a certain time because it was almost like a habit that had formed in the life of the church and no longer were we spontaneous to what God was wanting to do but we had become formatted I'm making some confessions here guys yeah. I'm not saying your church is like that I'm just talking about my church this is a perfect church say that also we need to understand that God doesn't want to come to us in a way that we can often comprehend challenges our thinking sometimes challenges our theology but challenges everything that is inside of us you see how do I know that 
God wants to do that here. I don't think he just wants to do it here. I think he wants to do it in our nation. Wants to break the mold of familiarity and wants to break the mold of predictability and wants to challenge our concept and our thinking, our perceptions and our perspectives. Because actually when Jesus came the very first time, he did that. Everybody predicted that he was going to be born into a palace. Everyone who was familiar with what was being spoken, what was looking towards the place of royalty because they they guessed that, that what was going to happen was that he was, the Messiah was going to come in a certain way. He was going to rush on in and he was going to rescue everybody. But you see, even in the birth of Jesus, wasn't familiar. Because I've never read anywhere else that a virgin got pregnant. That's not familiar, is it? No. It's not the, the rationale. But I, I want to really encourage you this morning, and I trust I am encouraging you, I'm trying to talk slow so we get it all across. But I want to encourage you that God wants to visit you in a new way. In a new way. Don't confine him. Don't say God will do whatever as long as it looks like this. Allow him to be God. Been challenged that as the disciples were in the boat I started to think about the boat that I'm in and we're all in boats we all have boats but I was challenged as a local church pastor that maybe I've made the boat too comfortable maybe what I've done is I've created not a fishing boat but I've created a cruise liner that has many passengers who love to attend as passengers. They love the five-star experience. They, they look for comfort because comfort is paramount. They love the entertainment as somebody stands and talks to them. They love the, dare I use the term, the entertainment as we are ministered to from song and from dance or whatever it may be. But you see, Jesus called the disciples and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then said, come walk on the water because it wasn't about the comfort of the boat. It was about the cause that he was living for. I think I as a leader have to make the boat less comfortable and make it more of a working place. You see, the, the boats, the fishing boat, was more about the cause and not the comfort. The fishing boat didn't have passengers but had workers, had the crew. Uh, a friend there had just come back from Brixham. Nobody goes to Brixham, apart from holidaymakers. Brixham is seven miles, eight miles from where I live. Torbay consists of three towns. Torquay, which is the uh, the the kind of the more cosmopolitan part of the town or the bay it, it has a the harbour it has the, the the marina it has some wonderful places then come to Paynton Paynton has the the seaside the beaches then you go to Brixham it's the fishing port it, it has more of that kind of village kind of feel it's a lovely place to, to go to if you go there you need to come and visit us in Torquay but as you walk through the fishing port of Brixham there's an aroma which is very unique. It's the aroma of fish. 
and chips. But there's this wonderful aroma of, of fish, and as you walk amongst the boats and you begin to look into them, the, the fishing boats are not the prettiest things you see. They're a working place. If you, if you go down there early in the morning and you begin to, to look at the fishermen who have come in, there's blood and there's guts all over the deck of the boat. They then hose it down. They prepare it for the next catch. Guys, church is not about becoming a cruise liner where we are entertained. But church is about being a fishing boat where men and women are caught, they're saved. And then through God the Holy Spirit, he begins to deal with the dirt and the guts and the blood that needs to be cut away. It's a smelly place sometimes. So, so what I want to leave you with this morning as we begin to land what I want to say, just three pages to go. Trust I'm making sense. Peter is, Lord, if it's you, invite me to walk on the water. It wasn't the best day to walk on water, was it? It was a storm. And oftentimes we say, God, will we'll do things for you as long as the conditions are right. Conversation yesterday with Mr. Glider on the second row. Talking to my, my friends who, who love fishing. They, they, they do some fishing. Before they, they go out, they, they look and they survey the conditions. They look for the surface wind. They look for the surface pressures. They, they look for visibility. They look for cloud cover. They look for something which is called precipitation. That's the fluctuations of highs and lows. It's the, it's the different conditions that we can find ourselves in. For 30 years of leading local church, the last two years as a leader of a local church has been the hardest two years we've ever experienced. Seasons of trauma, Seasons where people would talk about myself as a leader and try to assassinate my character. People saying that I'm a bully. People saying that I'm unapproachable, I'm non-relational. People saying that I use my gift to manipulate situations and circumstances. I didn't want to walk on water, I wanted to jump. Didn't want to stay in the boat, I wanted to jump the boat. Yet you have to just hold on to what God is saying to you. I don't know what conditions you may find yourself in, but there's an invitation for you today, myself today, to walk on water. This morning, if you are witnessing what I'm saying, firstly, I, I want to just bring about three different points to, to finalize and to close. If you're going to walk on water... Don't do it in your own strength. Only do it if you have sovereign authorization to do it. If you hear the word come, then step out and do it. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We can endeavor to do something, we can try to do it with all of our experience, and we can try to do it with all of what we think is us 
but if it hasn't got the invitation from God himself, don't do it. Don't step out if God's not telling you to step out. The best place you can be is to stay and to rest and to hear what God has to say. If you, like me, want to step out and be led by the Holy Spirit to a place where trust is without borders and to walk upon the waters, firstly, it will require courage. It will require faith. It will require trust. And it will require confidence. I've discovered this over the course of the last 18 months as I've just reflected and pondered on this. As I approach a new season and as you approach a new season, firstly I discover this, that faith is not always practical. Make sense? Not always practical. Faith is not always reasonable. And faith is not always logical. And as I've just begun to, to think on, on that a little bit, I... In fact, faith defies logic. Once again, I, I googled what the word logic simply means. And this is the definition. Listen to this, church. Logic is the study of valid reasoning. Did you hear that? Logic is the study of valid reasoning. But you see, faith introduces the word risk. And I've... I've compiled this definition of the word risk. I trust that you permit me to put it in the dictionary. But for me, the, the word risk is this. Risk is the study of valid revelation. So, so if logic is the study of valid reasoning, risk is the study of valid revelation. What's revelation? Revelation is God unfolding his plan and his purpose to you. I can give you 101 reasons why I shouldn't be stood here today. Yet one revelation changes every one of them. Maybe I can give 101 and maybe after this weekend you can give me another 101 why I shouldn't be here. But revelation opens the door and revelation enables you to walk on a surface which is unchanging, which is changeable. It's inconsistent. Technically speaking, it shouldn't hold you up, it shouldn't sustain you, yet revelation allows you to do that. And finally, look, this is, this is good stuff, it's, it's the last page. Alright, nearly time to go over your lunch. If you and I want to walk on water, we have to get out of the boat. We can't stay the same. We can't stay in the same place, but we have to get out of the boat. My mum my is a lovely lady. Absolutely lovely lady. My dad's good as well. Got great parents. My dad will be 79 in November. My mum will be 79 in March of next year. They're, they're not just my parents, but they're my friends. They're not just my friends, but they're those who pray and they mentor us. You can learn so much from your mum and your dad. But my mum has these little funny phrases. She's Cornish, so she's bound to have a few funny phrases. And often she'd say to me, Ian, don't rock the boat. <coughs> Ever heard that phrase? Don't rock the boat. Make it easy for people, Ian. Don't be so challenging, Ian. Don't be so much in their face, Ian. 
Be a little bit more pastoral, Ian. You haven't got a sensitive bone in your body, Ian. Don't rock the boat. I've come here this weekend to rock the boat. I've come here this weekend to rock the boat because I don't think God wants you to stay in the boat. He wants you to walk on the water. Another little thought I've got here is that we shouldn't fear the storm. Storms come and storms go. There's different conditions. We've talked about conditions of this and conditions of that. Don't, don't fear the storm. In the storm, look for God. Look, look for him. If, if you look for him, guess what? You will find him. As you draw near to him, he then draws near to, to you. In my personal experiences, I've experienced God in a more intimate and a close way in those storm periods. When you really begin to, to hang on, you know, it says that God will be our God in the times of trouble. Yet, yet so many times we say, God, don't bring trouble my way. But if he's the God who's the God in the midst of the trouble, that, that's why trouble comes our way. So we can discover God in the midst of that. He, he's our provider. So sometimes we go through seasons of lack because then we can experience the provider. We go through seasons of sickness so we can, provide, we can see God the healer. We go through seasons where we just don't feel strong enough, where he then becomes our sustainer. So, so we, we, we have these storms. Another little thought, just for you to ponder on, is that we need to listen to him above the commotion. His voice. The commotion of the, the waves buffeting the boat and the waves coming over, the wind... It was a howler. Do you know what I mean when I say a howler? Or is that a West Country term? It was a howler. H-O-W-E-R. I think that's L. I forgot the L. You got it. But we need to listen to him. Because in the thunder and the lightning, in the earthquake, there's always a whisper. Always a whisper. So listen to him above the commotion. When you listen to him, you don't listen to the voice of facts, but you listen to the voice of faith. You're not taken up with a lower frequency, but you're taken up by a heavenly frequency. Another little thing is be ready to respond. Be ready to respond and be ready to get out of the boat. Can I just introduce this little bit of a terminology for us this morning? Have a go. Have a go. What's there to lose? You might get wet feet. You might get wet ankles. And there's been occasions when I've begun to sink. Ever had that sinking feeling? But when you begin to sink and you cry out to God, guess what? He says, well done for having a go. He grabs your other hand and he picks you back up. So in this house today, live according to the risk adventure and not the risk avoidance. The best is yet to come. I thoroughly enjoy being with you, but I am looking forward to going home. Bless you guys.
fantastic.